Welcome into the MBA University podcast. My name is Stephen Kagan, and we have a very exciting guest today. First name, slightly last name, Bias. You know him from Twitter. You know him from YouTube. He live streams almost every night of the week, getting takes off, uh, and he is one of my absolute favorites. How's it going, Slightly? It's going great, man. Those are some kind words right there. Absolutely. I mean, I got to gas you up. Uh, yeah, it's, always. uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just what we do us content creators, you know, we got to stick together. Um, right. I new, stumbled new upon media. your stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. New media I stumbled upon your stuff because, uh, you started breaking down, uh, one of my brackets that I did in the, in the doldrums of the off season where you just went through every single matchup live. I think it was the best defender one. No, it was best uh, uh, offensive player. It was it best offensive player? Yeah, and I just watched. I sat there and watched you for like two hours talking about that, and I was like, all right, I need to, <laughs> I need to have this guy in the pot. I appreciate it's a it's a good mixture of if you if you don't follow slightly, like just follow him. I think it's bias slightly on Twitter at bias slightly. Yeah. Um, if you don't follow him, he is <laughs> a good mixture. He has a lot of Mavs takes, but also he does whole NBA, and I just love the the mixture he has of just kind of like off his rocker a little bit, like ready to just, you know, say anything that comes to mind, but also like very highly educated basketball takes. I'm going to say whatever I feel. Exactly. But it's smart, you know, and that's a, that's a good thing. And since he is a a Mavs guy, we're actually both local in Dallas. uh, So we got to break down the Dallas Mavericks. They've been one of the most interesting teams in the league uh, so far this season. So we're going to be deep diving into that. And we're also going to be hitting on a, a little bit of a podcast gimmick, having some fun with uh, fact or fraudulent. I'm going to be bringing some of those hard hitting questions to slightly. And uh, he's going to be busting out some of his answers and I might play I a little devil's advocate. One. So yeah, we'll, we'll get through the slog that is the Dallas Mavericks and then we'll, <laughs> we'll have some fun <laughs> with, with fact or fla- uh, fraudulent. So, but yeah, first things first, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce what's going on with the Mavs and kind of take a little look under their, their statistical hood. And then I'm just going to sort of throw some questions at you. See, see where your mind is on them uh they're three and three so far this season there's been a little bit of a twitter you know uproar about how the team is playing everybody's a little on edge a little nervous oh. about how it looks <laughs> i could already hear the the stress from slightly coming out uh they're three and three but they are fourth in net rating which is crazy they're first in offense 13th right. in defense they're first in free throw attempts per game and also dead last in assist percentage, which is interesting. Second to last in pace. They are just like on either completely on one side or completely on the other side of most of the statistics. Uh, what, what are just your general vibes, general feel for how uh, the Mavericks are performing so far this season, how Mavericks fandom is kind of treating you? Well, I mean, if you went on uh, Mavs Twitter, I mean, you would think they were one in five like you would. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. been in. It's been a meltdown over there, and I kind of get it. Like, they, if you're a Mavs fan and you've been around for a while, you sort of have a little bit of PTSD from this team. You know, last year was the first time they made it past the first round since 2011 when they won the championship. But I, I think they've been okay. Like, I look at this team, right? They're three and three, like you said, and their schedule. I think their first four games was like the second hardest four game start to the season for any team in the league. Uh, Phoenix on the road, New Orleans on the road, Brooklyn on the road, Memphis at home. That's a tough four game start. And then you have the Magic and the Thunder, who are both, you know, they're young, but the Thunder are four and three, and they've looked good. And Shays look great. I know we're going to talk about him later. And the Magic, you know, I know you've watched the Magic games. Their record's terrible, but they've been in games. You know, it's not like they're getting the blown out every night. So it's been a pretty tough start to the season. They're three and three. And I guess my thing is why I'm higher on them than Mavs fans are, most Mavs fans are at least. They've been, 
I would like 80% of, of what we've seen from them has been good. They've every game they played minus maybe the Pelicans game. They've looked like the better team on the floor mm-hmm. for the vast majority of the game. And then the Suns game, they completely collapse. Damian Lee, uh, you'll never <laughs> see that again. Like that was that was Damian Lee's one shining moment. And then uh, Isaiah Joe in the Thunder game. You're never going to see that again. That was Isaiah Joe's one shining moment. <laughs> so it's like, I get the frustration because the three losses have been bad. They've blown fourth quarter leads in all three of their losses. And that's a problem. And I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a bit. But, you know, I, I'm going to give it some time. There's You're adding a whole new player in Christian Wood, who's this new dynamic that Luca has not had in his career so far. This like post player who can actually exploit mismatches in the post. Like, it's going to take some time, I think. And so I'm okay with what I've seen so far. There's some stuff that needs to get worked out. But like you said, they're fourth in net rating. The three teams ahead of them have two losses combined. Yeah. They're number yeah. one in offense. Their defense, it was 15 before the Magic game, so I guess it's gone up a little bit. But, you know, I feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. I mean, before fourth quarters, if you count only the first three quarters, they have the best net rating in the league so far, which – yeah. I mean, that's pretty, that true. You know? Yeah. Oh, OK. So, I honestly didn't even know that. Yeah. So you can't be you can't be mad at that performance. But there is something to be said about the nervousness and kind of the unease of the fourth quarter being this this looming, uh, you know, disaster that kind of keeps happening to you guys. And I'm not sure if uh, that's something that is replicable or if it's just just so happens that guys happen to have career nights in the fourth quarter against against Dallas. But uh, there's there's a lot to kind of unpack with this team. Uh, I really wanted to sort of touch on first these offseason moves that kind of happened. You already mentioned Christian Wood and, and JaVale is in the starting lineup. Uh, the the starting lineup of Luca, Dinwiddie, Bullock, Finney Smith, and McGee is like the most negative lineup of any lineup for the Mavs so far this year. So they're negative. That's four- actually not true. Oh, which one's the worst? Who's the worst? It, well, that the starting lineup is minus 14.3. I think, that's, I think that might be the worst starting lineup in the NBA, or it was at some point. Their closing lineup, and they've been experimenting. They've been experimenting with closing lineups. But the one that I thought was going to be the closing lineup and what has been, Luca, Dinwiddie, Dorian, Reggie, and Maxi Kleba, mm-hmm. is the minus 25 right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Good. Yeah. So at least when they have their five you know, most important players on the court, they're at their worst, which is what you like yes. to see. Um, they're one of their most positive lineups. Their second most uh, lineup with the second most possessions is Dinwiddie, Josh Green, um, Kleba, Christian Wood, and Hardaway, and that's plus eighteen point three, which is shocking. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but it's a it's a really just weird, funky team. But I want to stick with right now. Just stick with what's your temperature check on Christian Wood and Javale McGee? Where where are you at on both of those? Well, I infamously did not want the Mavericks to trade for Christian Wood. Like I on my YouTube channel, I I made a video. A, a pretty much an entire video about why I didn't want the Mavericks to trade for Christian Wood <laughs> days before the trade happened. Like, I didn't even know it was a possibility, but people would always ask me about it. And he's been fine. Like, I, the, the, one of the problems is, is he had a great start to the season. Like, the first two, three games of the season, he was amazing. He was averaging, like, 25 points or whatever it was on great efficiency. But if you watched, you know, he was hitting tough shots, and he can do that for sure. But he's going to have games where, you know, the Magic's a terrible matchup for him. It just is. The Magic are so big. They're like one of the biggest teams of all time whenever they run those lineups out there. And Christian Wood, he exploits mismatches. That's one thing he does that KP doesn't do, which is nice. But when you play like a bigger team, you're going to have a difficulty. Uh, you're going to have a hard time for like exploiting mismatches for him. 
And I feel like, you know, it's just going to take some time, I think. He's an interesting player. He's not a good defender. He just has not been a good defender. The Mavs defensively have struggled when Luka and Christian Wood are on the floor at the same time. So it's like figuring out these rotations, figuring out the best way to utilize Christian Wood is going to take some time too. Because the problem is when they run pick and rolls, this was a stat I saw today, teams are switching on those pick and rolls against the Mavs at like a way higher clip than uh, mm-hmm. they were last year. So they're not, they're not letting Luka feast in the pick and roll. They're switching it immediately. And the thing is, is that leaves Luka with a mismatch every single time. And you want Luka to exploit these mismatches more than you would want Christian Wood to exploit these mismatches. So it, it's an interesting fit. Uh, I'm of the belief, and I was saying this before the season with Christian Wood, I think he's a one-year Mavs player. Like I, I just think mm. it was sort of an opportunity thing. The Mavs had all these guys that they w- needed to get rid of to clear up roster space, and they just happened to – the Rockets were like, hey, we'll take him. You give us a first, we'll give you Christian Wood. And they were just like, okay, that's, that's, kind, of a, that's kind of a fair trade. I, I just don't know if he's in the long-term plans. Um, so I don't know. I'm not – you know, Mavs fans are freaking out about J- Jason Kidd not starting Christian Wood, uh, not giving Christian Wood 30-plus minutes. Call me in December about that stuff. That's, that's how I feel, really. Call me in December. If the rotations are still terrible, then we could really start to have a, a, a discussion. Uh, so that's how I feel about Christian Wood. You know, Mavs fans are treating him like he's Akeem Olajuwon. He's just not. <laughs> he's, not a, he's not a perfect player. So there's going to be some stuff to work out there. JaVale McGee's been terrible. I don't know what <laughs> – like, I don't know what else there is to say about that. He's I, – I thought it was a good signing. It made a ton of sense. He's one of the best pick-and-roll rollmen in the NBA throughout his career statistically. And he's been, like, you know, a decent rim protector. But, man, he's been horrible. He's been absolutely terrible. Yeah. McGee, McGee is looking very corpse-like. Yeah, that's there. the problem. He, he might. It's the Mavs he, curse. They yeah. go after these old big men who, like, <laughs> yeah. like, it makes sense on paper, but then they come onto the Mavs, and they're yeah. just like, yeah, my career's over. Just all of a sudden turn into the Home Depot skeleton. But. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely tough. The the wood thing is interesting. <sighs> Because they are, they're they're relatively positive with him in almost every lineup he's in so far. Just because they're like blisteringly outscoring teams whenever whenever he's on the court. But the defense is rough. I mean, the defense he has a little bit of like this help side because he's pretty athletic. Like he can kind of come in and, and make some plays defensively. But he is a little bit of a mess. Um, he does not tag cutters at all. His rotations are slow. He doesn't do any of the little stuff like he is going to let guys outlet pass cleanly every single time. Uh, he does not like have any nice late peel offs of his guy to come help out. It's just it's a little bit of a, a fool's gold. Even even some of those little breadcrumbs of defense that he does show uh, to the eye, uh, it, it bears out in the uh, statistical, the, the little things that he does not do consistently. But yeah. he like you mentioned, he 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 brings this element to the offense, which I mean, he is a big contributing factor to why they're first on offense. Obviously Luca is sure. the, the engine and the driving force, but he's been their second best offensive player so far and uh, maybe not the most consistent, but he's been good. And, and he does bring this element to their offense that they haven't had of taking care of mismatches. And that's uh, what you say about them switching is interesting because you would think uh, with wood, they would be maybe a little less likely to switch. They might want to just sort of hedge and recover because they don't want to put their guard uh, onto wood, uh, but they're they're switching nevertheless just to just to make it easier on themselves and and you know wood has been able to capitalize and that's something I know that that Mavs fans have just been desperate to see for a long time and they're just <laughs> clamoring like please God someone uh, make make other teams 
you know, hurt for actually switching. And uh, he could do that. He's kind of got these pointy elbows where he can sort of drive in and do his thing. And he, he gets his shoulder into guys. And the shooting is real. And that's the other yeah. thing, too, where it's like the Mavs, the Mavs have good shooters. I mean, like Dorian is solid. Bullock is solid. But there's they're flirting a little bit with kind of like fake good shooter, you know, territory. Yeah, I mean, they get. You know, Dorian and uh, Reggie and Maxi were all top open. five and wide open threes yeah. last year. Wide open. So there's yeah. Wood brings this element of you mentioned tough shot making, but I, there's kind of no one else that really can do it. Spencer can, but in a different sort of way. If um, Tim's feeling, I mean, Tim's going to try. True. <laughs> yeah. Tim will at least put up tough shots. I don't know if he'll yeah. make any of them. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I like Wood. I like. I also hear what you say about just kind of talk to me in a couple months. Like, let's see yeah. how this thing shakes out. Let's see what kid does. Um, but I mean, it's not like Javale is doing much to sort of stave the the wave no. of wood coming in. And so. listen, I'll say this right about the rotation stuff. I I am Christian Wood coming off the bench. That that should happen. Like, I it, it should stay that way. Part of the reason I think that is here's the thing. If if JaVel McGee gets out of the rotation. It's not going to be Christian Wood who starts. It's going to be Dwight Powell. And we already mm-hmm. saw that. Uh, JaVel McGee missed the game uh, against the Thunder, and Dwight Powell is the one who started. The reason is, is Dwight Powell, JaVel McGee, those guys, if you're not giving them a lob thrower, like a really good pick-and-roll lob thrower, mm-hmm. they're, they're just literally useless, useless yeah. on offense. They don't do <laughs> yeah. anything. So it's like the Mavs do not have somebody off the bench who can uh, – it's funny because I say this – and obviously the Mavs pick up Faku Campazo and his the Argentinian <laughs> fan base fan. They are something crazy. Because every time I mention this, they're like, Faku, Faku can run the pick and roll. And I'm like, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, meaning, I'm meaning like a legitimate NBA guy. Like someone no who's not 5'9". Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no offense to the guy. Like, he tries hard. I'll give him some credit there. But, like, like Christian Wood coming off the bench makes so much sense because now you have a creator off the bench. You know, you have somebody where if Luca's not on the floor and the offense is struggling, all right, Christian Wood, take the ball, do your thing, you have your opportunity to do your thing, and then we'll stag your minutes so you play with Luca too, and you guys can mm-hmm. run the pick and roll and stuff. So uh, I don't know. Like Christian Wood not starting is not a big deal to me. It makes the most sense. And Kid is also he's a defensive minded coach. So for better or for worse, he's gonna make Christian Wood prove that defensively he can hang around in these lineups before, you know, he gets bigger shine. That happened with Reggie Bullock last year. Reggie was getting right. 10 minutes a game at the start of the season. And everyone was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and the media was roasting him. And then he averaged 40 plus minutes a game in the playoffs. So we'll yeah. see how it, we'll see how it goes. You know, I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a deal right now just because him coming off the bench makes sense to me. Now, if they were to trade for another ball handler, then we could start talking about different yeah. things. I'm a I'm a big believer. Like Mike Conley makes so much sense to me mm. on this uh, as the second unit point guard. Like it just makes so much sense. And then then we could start to discuss. Okay, now maybe you bring Javel off the bench and his production's better now. Christian Woods in the starting lineup. I don't know. It's just it's too early for me to freak out about lineups right now. Yeah, hundred percent. There's there's we need more data points to even really figure that out. I think the most instructive thing that you say is there's a reason why. Pal or McGee are in the lineup with Luca most often, and that's because they can do absolutely nothing else apart from Luca. And that's where yeah. you do start seeing, uh, you know, the tentacles of the Brunson loss a little bit. Not that Brunson was like Mister Lob Thrower, but he was at least a competent playmaker in the pick and roll and can unlock yeah, those was- guys a tiny bit. Um, and Spencer, as much as I love Spencer, maybe not love Spencer, as as indifferent as I am towards Spencer, uh, he's not exactly that. Something I saw was crazy. He's a shooting guard. Yeah, exactly. He's not a point guard. And and him and Luca are right now they're tied. 
for the second most or second highest percentage of their possessions are out of isolation in the entire yeah. NBA. So it's number one is Harden, and then number two is Luka and Dinwiddie. <laughs> so there is not – yeah, it's it's crazy that Dinwiddie is that high on the list, but he's actually – he's productive no, out of it. Like his efficiency good. is good. Yeah. yeah. So, but he's not the kind of guy that you could just stagger with Luka and he can run the offense and it can be a no. thing with those big guys. So I, I hear what you're saying. And, and Wood coming in and kind of doing his damage against the bench makes a lot of sense as well just for – for what he is. Um, and there was a hilarious yeah. clip on a, a Tim Hardaway threw a lob pass to, or tried to throw <laughs> yeah, a lob pass to Christian Wood and it like hit the scoreboard or something. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Hardaway needs to, needs to dial back uh, his lob passes <laughs> just a few miles per hour. That might've been the first one he ever threw. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, Hey, why not? Let's break this out. It's been since high school. I haven't thrown one, but um, <laughs> since throwing them to my dad in the, in the parking lot. Um, yeah, but yeah, so Overall, I think I think the outlook is solid, and ultimately, what it comes down to is Luka Doncic. I mean, that's the that's the end all be all of this team. We can kind of talk about the auxiliary things, but it's averaging thirty seven a game. He's shooting sixty five percent on twos, which is is hilarious. Man. I was at that Magic Mavs game, and it was just it was comical. Like it it was legitimately like when you watch somebody who failed like a few grades and then yeah. was just like 21 years old playing against a bunch of 15 year olds on JV and well, he they was kept just switching Terrence Ross onto him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, the, you know, sponsored a little bit by the, the magic's sneaky tank. Uh, they're quiet quitting so far early on in the year, but um, he, he was just unstoppable and it doesn't even look like he was trying um, yep. So physically dominant at, from a strength perspective, from a deceleration perspective, and then just the skill to flip up every single shot and it goes in, except for his threes, because he's shooting 22% on threes on mm. nine attempts per game, which is absolutely outrageous. I kind of want to hear your take on on his shot distribution. Are you sort of pro Luca, just like get him up, do your thing, or what's your what's your stance there? No, no, I, I hate I hate a lot of Luca step back threes. I understand he has to take them. Because it just opens up other things, and just the threat of it alone is enough to open up things for him. So he has to take them. But there was, I don't remember who was saying it, but somebody on Twitter was saying, if you take four of those terrible – because all, all – would you say he averaged nine threes nine. a game? Yeah, nine. I mean, seven of those are <laughs> terrible <a> shots. Like, <laughs> yeah. seven of them are bad. And maybe you get two, like, decent looks. And the funny thing is he never makes the decent looks. Like, he's shooting 22% from three, but he's still shooting 30% on step-back three so far this year. So wow. easy shots, he, does not, he will miss them. But uh, if you could, you know, take five of those threes, maybe four of those threes, distribute it to another shooter mm-hmm. early in the game, even if they miss, just so there's more of a rhythm in the offense, just so, you know, Reggie's getting a shot off in the first quarter or something, or Dorian's getting, you know, two more shots in the first half. That way in the second half, um, they're more ready to go. Because, you know, in the Magic game, I'm sure you noticed this too. I mean, they were letting them do it. Like, it wasn't like – like. In the past, Luca last year was the most double team player in the NBA. That percentage is way down to start this year. Teams are our teams are doubling him far less this year than uh, last year. I mean, we're only six games in; that could change. It's also early in the season, so you know we'll see. But uh, teams are like letting him cook a little bit. And I guess the logic is, if he cooks in the first half, tires himself out a little bit, yep. then in the second half, we'll ramp up the traps and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and he'll now Luca's got to exert more energy to beat him or. He's got to pass the teammates who haven't really been in a rhythm all game. And now they're relying on hitting big, big, big shots. You know, that's part of the reason why the fourth quarter stuff's been so bad. But Luka's been dominant, man. Um, I don't know. He's probably going to lead the league in scoring. His shooting numbers will go up. That's what's also scary. Like, he's not going to shoot 20% from three all year. Right. 
and you i guess you could say his like his inside the arc stuff will go down but i'm not even that convinced if this is how they're playing defense against them he's gonna like he'll get to the rim and score easily yeah luca 40 points per game I don't know. <laughs> he just he, if he had if he had a higher motor and had better conditioning he could average the conditioning is really that was the point I was going to make on the threes where it's like well someone who has played basketball at such a uh, you know esteemed level as myself just <laughs> <laughs> playing at the twenty four hour fitness in in Carrollton uh, yeah, I I rolling. know as someone who is delightfully out of shape as well that and someone who is a much more efficient uh, two point shooter than three point shooter. When I get tired, I want to start shooting threes uh, because it it takes a lot of effort to dribble, 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 high usage, high usage, driving kick over and over and over again. Like sometimes you kind of just want to take a little step back and see if you could steal three points for minimal effort. And I think Luca kind of falls into that trap over and over and over again. And defenses are are happy to let it happen, frankly. And see, that's why I partially don't mind the threes because, you know, he's usually okay at them. Early season, he always has issues shooting threes. And that's that's another thing, too. He looks way better now than he did. The start of last season was bad. Yeah. The start of last season was really bad. This is why I'm kind of not that concerned about the Mavs start the way other Mavs fans are. Last season, they were getting destroyed. <laughs> like, they were losing by 30 to any good team they played. And they were barely beating bad teams. But this year, they've been in every single game. And Luka looks great. Like, he's quick. Yeah. His first step is faster. He's playing through contact. He, he like he cannot miss at the rim. It's insane what we're seeing out of him. Um, I had some numbers here. He's he okay. Here's the post up stuff is what's actually crazy to me. Nearly six post ups per game, which is the third most in the league. It's a lot. Like we're talking among bigs, everything. Third most in the league, only behind Zion and Embiid. He's averaging one point two three points per possession on those post ups, which wow. is third behind Shane Goon and funny enough Christian Wood. So. I mean, it's just like if he just exploits every mismatch. This is why the usage thing is so crazy to me. It's because he's probably the best in the league right now at getting a mismatch, hmm. hunting a mismatch relentlessly, relentlessly, relentlessly. He's going to figure out whoever it is on the court he can exploit, and he's going to find them, like Terrence Ross against the Magic. <laughs> right. And it's like, do you want him to pass out of those? Like, I, I just don't. It's it's a tough one. It is a tough one. Yeah. The I don't understand the Luka is a ball hog discourse that just doesn't really jive with me i mean it's one of the best and most efficient scores in the league he also averages like nine assists per game like it's not like he is is not sending anybody else up it's just if he's going to get a mismatch and if teams like you said are switching more often this season then yeah go hunt man i mean that's that's the kind of stuff that translates to the playoffs that's what i mean we've seen him be great in the playoffs over and over again the playoffs becomes about matchups hunting matchups finding the weak link exploiting it over and over and over again over a seven game series and if he's doing that in the regular season and it's a little bit less efficient sometimes than uh you know like trying to maximize every single point in the regular season like i'm okay with that get them reps and you know what? Let me say this. Everyone who says, oh, Brunson left because of this. I, by the way, I love Jalen Brunson to death. I'm very happy he's doing great in New York City. But listen, everyone who says, oh, nobody's going to want to play with Luka. Nobody's going to want to play with Luka. We haven't heard any – like, it's been five years now. There's never been a comment from anybody like, man, maybe if I touch the ball. I don't know. Like an Elijah Moore comment. Like, I don't know. I don't touch the ball. I can't tell you. Yeah. But it's I mean, like – Yeah. If you're three – like, it's like – also, look at the roster construction. We don't want Reggie Bullock dribbling the basketball. No. We don't want Dorian Finney-Smith dribbling the basketball. JaVale McGee, the, <laughs> if you go back and rewatch the Suns game, that's when it all went to shit for the Mavericks. JaVale McGee got the ball on the block and did some, like, Hakeem Olajuwon skyhook <laughs> that just missed everything. It was, like, downhill from there. We don't want that. So, I don't know. The team is constructed for Luka to have a 40% usage rate. Is that smart long-term? I don't know. But that's the way the team is constructed. It's not really a Luka thing. 
no absolutely. fourth quarter that's when there's issues <laughs> yeah when he starts running out of steam is when is when things start looking a little a little bit worse but I'm I'm okay with it, like you said. And until they land, you know, until they sort of package some things and and make a trade and and trade in some of their chips and draft picks, then what? I mean, what else can they do? That this is a Luca centric team. He needs to yeah. just go for it. I mean, he's great. So ride that, ride that. They rode it all the way to the Western Finals last year. I don't see I don't see a problem with going for it again. Uh, and as he's kind of maturing into his prime, I'm sure they're going to be looking for and searching for as they have been for a long time that second star next to him and I but. think the second star discourse like as time goes on I think all you really need is just like a really great elite role player it doesn't yeah. have to be like a Tatum or a right. Giannis or Jokic it could be like a I had Pascal's my number one like I know yeah. Pascal's way more than a role player don't get me wrong I'm not saying that but he's he could be a number two and he has been a number two he can yeah. catch and shoot. he can cut like bam like these are the guys who I'm like right. if you get one of these guys your ceiling is way higher like just a really 100%. good guy in, in in their role who will play defense and then will do what he needs to do on offense, you know? Exactly. You don't need, especially with Luca, with someone as gifted as him, you don't need that top, that second top ten player. I mean, it would be nice, obviously, but you right. you can't just stumble into those. But just someone in that like thirty range, yeah, in that that Drew Holiday, that Pascal, yeah. maybe Pascal in are a little higher than that, but in that range, just like a solid, very very good All Star caliber, but nothing more than that type guy. Um, and they're in championship contention. They are, but Christian, Wood is your second best player? Might not be doing it no matter how good, uh, Luka Doncic is. Um, so do you have any other, uh, any, uh, final thoughts on, on the Dallas Mavericks that you want to bring me before we transition into uh, factor fraudulent? Yeah. You know what? I, I got one more thing I got to say. Give me a parting right. gift. I will never, ever think this team has anything lower than a championship, uh, ceiling hmm. with Luka Doncic on the team. I had somebody, I forgot what I tweeted, but somebody tweeted like, oh, the Mavericks are in one of the worst spots in the league currently. I'm like, there's just, take a look around the league first and foremost. But also secondly, as long as 77's on the roster, you are nowhere near the worst part, uh, worst spot in the league. You yeah. make a playoff series, anything can happen. If you have the best player on the court in 99% of the matchups, anything can happen. Look at that Sun series, man. Like the Mavericks were not supposed to win that series. Mm -hmm. That's been a matchup nightmare for them ever since Luka got drafted. They're like one and eight against them in the regular season. And then Luka Doncic happened. And then you go to the Western Conference Finals. So I'm not like we can sit here and talk about a three and three start. Like Mavs fans think that that's the worst thing in the world. It's fine. I think they'll figure stuff out. As long as Luka's on the roster, there's plenty to be excited about for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, even though the front office has been a complete and total joke for most of our <laughs> lives. It's still like they're they're one like luck just lucking their way into a free agent falling into their lap or some trade t falling into their lap from really becoming like a perennial contender. More than just like a, we have Luka Doncic like we could win. Yeah, no doubt, and that's with Luka like you mentioned. There, he has that so he's so good that he could do that solo player with some good pieces around him championship run that we've seen very infrequently but it's extremely possible with him we i mean a team that would know it more than any other the mavs of dirk surrounded by a whole yeah. bunch of really good solid starting caliber guys can equal a championship you're gonna kind of bang your head against the wall a, a bunch of times and it might not work but it's entirely plausible that dallas can win a championship just because they could have the best player on the court in every series that they play in potentially which not not a lot of teams can say that i think really only maybe Milwaukee, Golden State, Dallas and Denver can yeah. can say that. Maybe if 
you know, healthy Kawhi exists, probably not. But he doesn't exist yeah, anymore, I'm sad yeah, to say. As yeah, a big Kawhi rest, fan. Rest in peace, Kawhi. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. All right, so transitioning on that note, we're going to transition into some some factor fraudulent. I wanted to give uh, Slightly Biased a, a little more of a platform to talk outside of the context of the Mavs, and I know he has some takes, and, and I have some takes as well. So uh, speaking of Kawhi, what a great transition, totally planned. Uh, the very first one, very first question on the docket, is this fact or fraudulent? is that LeBron, Durant, Kawhi, and James Harden, the old garb of the NBA, minus Steph, are never going to win another title. In Harden's case, we'll never win a title. What are your thoughts there? Wait, so all of them combined? Yeah, combined. They're done. Oh, oh I, I'll say fraudulent. I'll really? Say fraudulent. Only because there's one player in there that I think will win again. Who is it? Kevin Durant. Woo! Why is that? LeBron? LeBron, I will never question LeBron's will to win. I'll never question LeBron's determination. But I'm going to question it. I don't think he <laughs> wants to win anymore. I don't think he gives a shit. Otherwise, I don't see why he would sign that extension. That extension makes no sense. Like, especially from a guy who in Cleveland was just doing one and one and one and one deals. Right, to right. put pressure on the front office. And now he's just like, yeah, I'll sign the extension. Whatever. Like, I want to be in L.A. now. Like, I, I just, I don't know if that's LeBron's priority currently. Kawhi just injured, man. I I'm really scared about him. I really am. Because I the Clippers were my pick to make the finals in the West. Uh-oh. And they, the, first and foremost, they just look sad. Like, they just look like, like <laughs> they look like a team. They, every time I watch them play, they feel like the, like, favorite going into a playoff series that knows this, they lost the series in, like, the third <laughs> quarter of game six. And they know they're eliminated. And they're just kind of pouting around. And the energy's really low. That's yeah. what every Clippers game feels like right now. Wow. It's just, like, demoralizing watching them. I know they just won a crazy game against the Rockets. But, man. And Harden, exactly. <laughs> they were in a crazy game against the Rockets, which is. I feel like Harden is just like Harden. Does he really belong at this grouping? I mean, <laughs> I like the guy, but it's just he, the playoff success hasn't been there. But Durant, though, he's still great, and I think he still has very much the will to win. And he's not going to be in Brooklyn next season. Like I, I feel I can, I feel pretty confident in that. Mm. And wherever he goes is going to be a contender. So I could see KD winning another one. Is KD going to be in Brooklyn this season? Mm, God, trading KD mid see, I don't know. The midseason <laughs> trades have gotten more and more crazy. We're like five years ago, I'd be like, oh, there's no way you could trade KD midseason. But we've seen we've seen guys that caliber get traded midseason lately. So I don't know, maybe. Yeah, that's. I was I was kind of thinking through the questions for this, and I was just the handover from old garb to new garb is really looking especially stark this season. Minus Steph, which. Hey, shouts out to Steph. I think he's absolutely unreal. And of course, I mean, that, that's, you know, understatement of the century. And I, you know, Golden State might be the favorites to win or at least right there with Milwaukee. Um, but man, the, the LeBron, LeBron's looking old, really old, which is sad. Uh, yeah. But it is what it is. Kawhi is just not playing. He's MIA. I know Ty Lu is kind of preaching this. Oh, the media, they're making a big deal out of nothing. It's like <laughs> the, we're having injury management. Uh, it's a big deal. Like five games in a row to start the season, basically. Yeah. Uh, it is certainly a big deal. Um, Harden has looked good, but he's he wasn't even able to win one in his at yeah. his peak. And then, yeah, KD, I think, is is the one as far as having something left in the tank, having that. I'm the best player on a championship team level that he can get to. I think it's possibly there. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, the more I think, cause in my mind, I want to just say like, man, I watched KD push, you know, Milwaukee to seven and he had, you know, 
toenail on the line, and that's the reason they didn't win the championship then. And now he's been in this. God, he was so good in that series too. Oh my God, he was amazing. And then we have this terrible situation where in Brooklyn and Kyrie is unreliable, and James Harden wants out, and Ben Simmons is, (laughs) uh, man, the ultimate triple single now. It's really a disaster. So you can't totally put that on KD, but I am having some trouble. The one thing in there that I, I can't forgive him for or at least so is it fact or fraudulent for you i would say i think it's fact i think they're all done yeah i think they're done the one thing that that kind of gives me pause is thinking about and rewatching that celtic series last where they get swept and i understand there were some close games i understand the roster was a mess but kd looked out of it he looked physically incapable against like a really tough like jason tatum was flat out just better in yeah. that series. And I, I get the infrastructure was, was better around Tatum, but he kind of punked him in and, and it, to not, to, to see him not be able to rise above made me a little bit dubious as to him being like this completely unassailable top three guy. Like nobody can say anything else or you're just a KD hater. Like I, I, I'm not sure he's there, but I think he's a notch lower than that top four that I mentioned earlier of the, yeah. of the, you know, um, Jokic, Giannis, Steph, and whomever else I'm forgetting. Luca. But Luca, yes, yes. I think he I think he is a tier below those guys at this point. And and that's not gonna get it done unless he happens to just get traded to an incredible team that doesn't have the gut themselves to get him on there. And I I don't know. Even if he goes to the Suns, like old Chris Paul, Booker's great, but I don't know if they're winning a title. What what do you think on that? Well, I don't know. Uh, the Sun, the Suns just don't have the pe- the Suns have never had the pieces for a KD right, trade. Never made done. any sense to me. Who does? The Toronto? Celtics one. Ooh. Like, do you double back to that? Because if Jalen Brown's expiring next season, and then if you already, like, he's already pretty much said he's going to at least test out free agency to see what's up. Right. If you can make that move next offseason, and the Nets feel like we can bring in uh, Jalen Brown and uh, extend him, like we've already, you know, maybe we've talked to him behind the scenes, and he's down to sign an extension for us. That, that becomes a little bit more interesting next offseason. I don't hate I that. Yeah, I don't hate yeah. that. The only problem is, which I, I, it's not off the table that KD gets traded to an awesome team like the Celtics and goes and wins a title. I just, it doesn't even matter to me that much if he's not just the unquestioned like guy on the team. Yeah, like, that's I, true. I, I, I get it. It's still a title is a title, but it's not, it doesn't really fit into what I'm kind of looking at here, which is like, are these guys done winning titles? as? Oh, if guy? that's, if that's the criteria, Yes. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think Rest all of these guys are done, which makes me really it's honestly kind of sad to say <laughs> it's like, our childhood, really. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you mentioned earlier how the, the passing of the old guards to the new like it really is yeah. kind of obvious now. Yeah, and it's sad because it's kind of unceremonious. Like LeBron's on a bad team. Mm-hmm. Kawhi's hurt. It's always unceremonious, I think. Yeah, like, you don't get, like, the, oh, like, Luka played LeBron in a seven game series and that was <laughs> yeah, like it. Luka beat him and yeah. it was over. Just kind of sad. Yeah. It's like Brady, even in the, you know, Brady and Rogers now, like, I don't, I, that's the thing when you're great, you just kind of keep going until you suck. And then it's just, yeah. and then you go away. <laughs> well, it's not, well, the thing is too, it's not like any of these guys suck. So it's like, that's true. Yeah, I, I would like suck. to say LeBron could win another one, but again, I just, if he yeah, wants to stay in LA, they're not winning one. Yeah. It's over. Team just, I don't see any possible scenario for them to win one in the next th- three or four years. Yeah. I think he is at the point where he recognizes he's not going to win one. He has no leverage. He likes L.A. He wants to just rack his points up, pass up Kareem, and have the best counting stats in the history of the NBA and call it a career. Maybe play with Bronny yeah. so they can you know, make a little money off of and a, there's nothing uh, a wrong documentary. With that. And, you know, I respect it. Yeah. 
I respect. He's it. really got nothing left to prove. Like he wants yeah. to make his shitty movies. It is what it is. <laughs> hey, yeah. Space Jam Two is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I certainly boycotted the new um, Space Jam. That was that was. Nuts. I watched. I mean, I watched it. The thing is, Space Jam One's bad. Like it's not a good movie, but it's just so nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah, my heart. And it has some magic to it. God, the new mm-hmm. the new one was just terrible. Atrocious. Yeah, it just did not seem. You can't go into a movie like that when you have no nostalgia attached, because you just know it's going to be absolutely atrocious. I was like, I need yeah. to save myself the cringe. It did, like, and the thing is, is like uh, most people our age watched it because it was nostalgic. We loved right. Space Jam One, right. but it didn't even have the magic of it. Like they didn't even play basketball. They just played a video game at the end. I don't know. <laughs> oh wow, horrible. interesting. Yeah, wow. Spoiler alert, man. Come on. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Don't watch that movie if you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, the spoiler is that you do not need to engage yes. in that. Um, all right, moving on to the next one. I liked that. I liked that. I this, but we're I gonna. I love this question. Yeah, we are. We're gonna hit on a man that you have been evangelizing, uh, that you have been prophesying. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a, a, a somewhat of a religious. Uh, you know, uh, happening here, a, a connotation associated with this man with you, and that is yep. Shea Gilgis Alexander. It is yep. someone who I also very much am a stan of. I can't get enough SGA. Every time I watch him play, my mind is completely blown. He's just so, he's such a great mixture of like being extremely cool and also yeah. being so good and being surrounded by such garbage all the time. Um, he's such he's, a fun player to watch. He, man. He's amazing to watch. So we're going to do a little bit of uh, factor fraudulent long-term Shea Gilgis Alexander. And I'm going to kind of pin him against some of his uh, peers, some of his guard peers and, and see where you land on who you would take long-term. I'm going to read his stats from this season. Just basic. OKC four and three. They're off to a great start. 31.5 yeah. points per game. Career high by a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Seven assists per game. Career high. 2.5 steals, wow. 1.3 blocks. He's tied for fourth mm-hmm. in the entire NBA in deflections per game. Okay. And uh, and he's looking pretty dominant with still the worst spacing in the NBA, maybe outside of Los Angeles, uh, surrounding him. So that is a, a ridiculous and blistering start. Not a surprise to you, I'm sure. No, um, so we're gonna not. we're gonna start with the first one. You could kind of either take these rapid fire, or you can expand if you if you feel the need to expand on your take. So first one, factor fraudulent. You would take SGA over Darius Garland long term. Immediately, this is brutal. I like this. This just goes to show how insanely good the guards are in the they're NBA. They're amazing. Yeah, they're sick. Like, like SGA, for those unaware, is my favorite non Maverick player. And he's been for like three years. I love him so much. He he is a star. Like, he already is one. 100%. But the thing is, is people don't watch the Thunder and they've been bad and he's kind of been hurt the last two years. So nobody talks about him like that. And everyone's like, oh, he could break out and be a star this year. It's like, he already is one. Yeah. Like, yeah, Mike Conley, I love Mike Conley to death. He's one of my favorite players, too. But he stole an all star appearance from Shea two years ago. I'll just say that. But uh, Darius Garland's also one of my favorite non-Mavs. But I got to go Shea here long-term, I think, over DG. And I love Darius Garland. It, if it weren't for Donovan Mitchell, I would have bet on him to lead the league in assists this year mm. just because he's that great of a passer. And the thing I like about, about Darius Garland, he's like a passer first, but he's also such a great scorer, so he has to score pretty much. But Shea's ability to create in the half court, it's, it, like you said, considering the spacing, I got to go with Shea here. It's just in a playoff game, and I need baskets, I'm taking Shea. Mm, I like that, yeah. Garland is – he's one of my favorite guys to watch as well. Well, you have uh, to also say uh, your answer. Yeah, oh, of course. I, I'm, I'm taking SGA. I think the size – I think the, the scalability of the game uh, yeah, the size is, is, is a little bit better. And, I, and that was yeah. with, that, with Darius. Yeah, he's about six inches taller. Yeah. Uh, and I just think – which I know we, we've seen him in one playoff series, and he was bad, and he was like 20 years old. I'm, yeah. I don't care. 
Uh, I I think his game will translate to a playoff setting beautifully. Like he is going to score. He's going to get two feet in the paint so often uh, out of ISO it out of, you know, screen manipulation. His playmaking is getting better and better. His defense. That's the one thing where it's like some of these guards we're going to be talking about. He is in a different league defensively where it's not, he's not a great defender, but he's definitely good. And he's looking better this year. Yeah, exactly. And he, he just has more of a defensive upside than almost all of these guys. But okay, yeah. Give me SGA over Garland, but it's close. Uh, SGA or Halliburton? I'm taking SGA here. I love Tyrese Halliburton too, but I, I just think, again, like uh, to me, creation, especially <laughs> in the half court, is the most important yeah. skill in the NBA. Because yeah. you just do what you need a bucket late in the game, give it to the guy who can create. You need to penetrate the defense, kick out, finish at the rim, put pressure on the rim, give it to your guy who can, who can create. Like you just can do whatever with that. And Tyrese Halliburton's not bad, a bad creator by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, like Shea's literally top, he's been like top five in isolation efficiency over the last five years, so, or last three years. So I'm taking Shea over Tyrese. Yeah, give me Shea as well. Always leads the league in drives or is, or is top two. Uh, he's number always, one right now, I think. Yeah, he's number one right now. He's, he's um, like, fourth i think in uh isolation possessions and is is pretty solid on the points per possession there and uh i love halliburton <laughs> that's these yeah. i was trying to pick guys that are good like halliburton is is incredible no, these are all hard like it's it's he's he's so unreal as a three-level scorer like i never thought he would have been weaponized the way he is and he has just unlocked something the shooting is that's the one thing with sga where the shooting is a little bit iffy. I know yeah, some of his numbers last year were kind of jacked up because he was just started doing a ton of step backs and kind of experimenting because they were trying to lose anyway. You know, might as well, uh, yeah. you know, have some fun out there. Uh, but his shooting is, is okay. And Halliburton is, he's starting to creep into like top 10 shooter in the league, like top yeah, he's five a shooter. shooter in the league kind of range, which is insane considering how janky his form is. Uh, but I, I still, I gotta go Shay. I got to, uh, next Keep in up, mind those listening. Oh, we, me. all these guards are great and we love all of them. Yes. Yes. Except so for the next like one. Taking Shay over Tyrese Halbert is like, no, Tyrese Halbert sucks. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Factor fraudulent. You would take Shay over Lamella long-term fact. Yeah. Fact as well. I, yeah. I have to like, I like Lamello, but I'm, I, I'm, I don't think I'm as high on him as some other people are. There's some there's some question marks for me about like half court creation for him. 100%. That's the issue. But he's he's I mean he's one of the most fun players in the league to watch. His shooting is real. His p- passing is unworldly and he's he's tall too. So mm-hmm. I think he'll be a good player, for sure a great player. I mean he's already been an all-star, which Shea hasn't. So <laughs> I guess yeah. he's got that yeah, mellow better. Yeah, I think that yeah. confirms. <laughs> yeah, the problem with the mellow is he can't get by anybody without a screen, which is not yeah. I mean, you know, you can call for a screen every play. That's that's fine. But he just does not have any of that burst that SGA has. Um, and I think that's absolutely crucial for scaling your game to a, to a playoff setting when people are actually most set, trying. Most certainly, so, yeah. Yeah, fact on that one. Uh, fact or fraudulent, we doing, we're taking SGA over Donovan Mitchell. Oh, my God. <laughs> this Donovan's is- been looking real good. He's been looking real good. Oh, I, I almost feel like I have to say, oh, God. This one was the toughest one for me, I think. I think I might have to say fraudulent. Ooh. Which is which is interesting because I've talked I talked a lot of shit about Donovan Mitchell last year, <laughs> but it was like everybody was like, you gotta give Donovan Mitchell props for, you know, not making a scene about wanting a trade or whatever. Go back and watch that series against the Mavs. That was he didn't scene. need to demand a trade. Like <laughs> that was it, he scene. was doing it on the court. He was done. <laughs> yep. 
But, I mean, we've seen this guy have just nuclear moments in the playoffs. And, like, win playoff series almost by himself. God, I don't know. Donovan Mitchell's really good. I feel like he's, like, because that series against the Mavs was so disastrous and he got traded, he's now kind of overlooked in a weird way. Right. But this one is really close, though. I don't know. Oh, man, I, I lean... Man, that's tough. I think... <laughs> I can't decide. I think I also lean fraudulent because oh, Mitchell, I, oh, man, Mitchell has that off the ball shooting that is just so valuable. And he's, yeah. he's, he's so excellent. The only problem, this is the thing with Mitchell where one, we have seen him succeed in playoff setting. So that is, that's a kind of just a notch in his belt over SGA. Cause we haven't gotten a chance to see it. Um, but some of his late game end of game, he was awful last year. Yeah. In clutch. He like, was terrible. Really sucked. Was very actively bad. One of the, the worst points per possession players of anybody in the clutch last season. And Utah lost a lot of games. Utah fans are mad about it. They were there. You know, the second he has a bad game in the clutch, they're going to be like, see, Oh, yeah, yeah, they oh are. I told they you. Definitely sucks. Are. So there, there, there's a part of me that he has that. And this is something I know Bill Simmons has said and, and others, but he has some of this like Westbrook to him at the end of the game where he just feels the need, like, yeah. The just insatiable hunger to to get up a shot no matter how difficult it is, which is part of what makes him great because he is a great shot maker and he could do it. The size is bad. He's way smaller than we thought. That um, would be the one that would scare it's me. a little like, scary. The, shit, the size and the defense because he's terrible yeah. defensively. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, he he has is. looked better this year at least, which yeah. is one thing where he has a wingspan. He can move laterally. I'm, I don't think he'll ever be a positive defender. I think SGA is a, a better defender, but I think Mitchell – as you were saying, he we have that taste in our mouth from last year's playoff series where his his defense was just so abominable. Like it, yeah, he, like he, he was been demanding arrested. a trade on right. the floor. A hundred percent. He might as well have worn a "That's All, Folks" uh, shirt yeah, like Anthony yeah, Davis to the game. It was it was so bad that I I think it almost warped us a little bit where he was already sort of below average and we just are like Donovan Mitchell might yeah. be the worst you know Trey Young level defender and he's not he's not no, that no, no, he's not. and he's looked solid in a Cavs uniform so far obviously with the twin towers behind him he's always had um, an incredible drop defender behind him to kind of clean up his mistakes but I think I think that shooting and that playoff ceiling I have this slightly lean Mitchell but it's close. And, he, you know, he's a good playmaker, too. Like, he's Certainly. he's a, yeah. a good creator as well. Like, he's just a great player. Yeah, for sure. And okay. I just uh, – it's <laughs> funny because he came in the for league. for sure choose? You said fraudulent? I said fraudulent. I don't feel okay. great about it, but – Yeah, it hurts my feelings. As an SGA stand, I think we should we should both be. I, mean, I should point out, too, he's not on this list, but a couple years ago, I got, like, one of – before I had – but, like, one of my first times ever getting dragged on Twitter was yeah. I said I would take <laughs> Shea long-term if I was building a franchise right now over Devin Booker. Now, granted, that was before the finals, <laughs> right? But God, sometimes I go back to that. And I'm like, would I still take Shea over Devin Booker? <laughs> I don't like, know. I don't think I disagree with myself. <laughs> it wouldn't. It wasn't like it, I think I'd probably go D book, but it's not like it's a crazy. I don't know, actually. Yeah, hey, put Shea on the Suns, you know. I, th- I think I, I don't know. It's good. not. I, I don't want to get on the Suns fans' bad side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll protect you. We'll protect yeah. you from that. Uh, next one on the list, Factor Fraudulent, SGA over Cade. Oh, this one is brutal. Um, well, the thing is, Shea's way better than Cade is right now. Right. Cade does have that potential really great defender. Not just, like, good defender, but great yeah, defender right. upside. Where you could have that two-way potential with Cade. 
you know, I'm, I got a ride with my guy. Uh, shout out to Cade, Dallas kid. I got a ride with uh, Shay, though. I'm going uh, fact. I'd rather have Shay long term. Yeah, fact on SGA for me over Cade. I think that's the one thing offensively is you just pray that he turns into Shay someday. And it's like, right, well, that's exactly already, what it is. You know, we already have SGA. And I think he's solid enough and, and big enough positionally that the defensive difference is not enough for me to deal with the risk of Cade not quite getting there. Though he Yeah, because Cade, it's all upside, but yeah. we have to see it. Yeah, he's he's had a few games in a row now where he's looked good. The mid range is starting to fall. I enjoy that, but yeah, give me SGA. Uh, I'm not falling in love with the youth there. And then this is these ones are are a little spicy. It might be silly to even ask the question, uh, but his his top point guard contemporaries outside of like whatever Luca. Um, yeah, kind of barely counts as a point guard. I don't know what your stance is there, but uh, the Trey Young and John ja Morant tier of point guard. Uh, you know, I've heard some rumblings kind of coming down the pipe, like, hey, like if you put SGA in Atlanta or you put SGA in that amazing infrastructure in Memphis, they're doing just as well. Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> What's uh, what are your thoughts there? Fact or fraudulent? You would take SGA over either Trey or Ja moving forward. No, this is fraudulent. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I, can't I can't quite get, get there. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, in your uh, in your uh, off best offensive player bracket, I had Trey in my top four, so I think he's like elite offensive player, like elite, elite. And then Jaws, John ja Moran, like, you know. Yeah, Jaws is looking, Jaws is looking real, real special. Yeah, I mean, he he's like, it's unbelievable what he does. His ability to, like, I don't, I don't know if there's anybody in the league who can get to the rim as easy as he can. And it's just easy too. And he can yeah. hang in the air. He'll stop on a dime. He's like unstoppable. Yeah. And I has, do not understand why he doesn't get trapped more. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Well, it's because he's, he's a good playmaker. I mean, he has some of that, like, puppet master type yeah. uh, spread it around. And Memphis is so good. That's the one thing where it's just to have Bain and Jaron Jackson. I know he's out. Um, and all the, they're just a factory of good players, solid players all the time. They're winning a ton of games without Ja. We know this. Um, there is something to that where he doesn't have that same defensive attention. He's not getting doubled the second yeah, most true. in the NBA or the most, I think SGA might've been most in the NBA last year, doubled. I think by um, percentage wise it was. Yeah. Which is crazy. And he's not facing that level. So it's, it's a, a tiny bit apples and oranges there, but yeah, you can't, can't discount jaw. I think the conversation around Trey is, I would still say fraudulent. I, there is part of me that the, def, the defense with Trey is just so bad. It's so destructive yeah. where it's like, he, the team around him would have to be so absolutely perfect. You would have to catch like lightning in a bottle so well. And I, that I'd almost maybe rather have SGA because I just know he can at least hold his own. He won't, you, you don't have to build every single other thing around SGA for it to be right. You know, and, and that's something yeah. that scares me long-term as far as Trey's championship ceiling as a best player on a team. That being said, I, I'm not sure SGA could be the best offensive player on a championship level team. And I think Trey young could be. Yeah, uh, no, and, I guess, a, I guess you're only like, I can't get there with jaw at all. I, and it's funny. Cause I think Trey's like, I would rank Trey higher than jaw, but like the, the way I guess you can make an argument for SGA over Trey would be if you don't think Trey can be the best player on a championship team, then you have to say, okay, as my number two, he's not a good two. Right. Yeah. Would I rather have Trey or Shea? Like, if I know that neither of these guys can be the number one on a championship championship team and I'm trying to find a two, and I have Shea, who's this taller guy, can play a couple different positions, can defend, like, versus Trey Young, who has to be a point guard, and I have to have other – I mean, then I guess yeah, I could see your argument, but just as far as players go, 
Yeah. I, I'm really high on Trey. I mean, he led the league in total points and assists last year. The second time that's only only the second time it's ever been done. Yeah. And it's just like nobody, t- like I feel bad for him almost because nobody talks about it. It's always just jokes with him. Uh huh. Yeah. The, between the Miami series and his hair, it just really Miami series hair. The Luca trade. I'm happy the Luca <laughs> yeah. trade stuff is dying it's down because that was bad for a while, but. Yeah, he's at least Trey is good enough that you can't be too mad yeah. about it. Where it's like it's like the Rockets picking Olajuwon when Jordan was there. It's like, all right, yeah, Jordan was the, the right pick, but you can't yeah, be too, you mad, can't be too mad. Yeah, you can't be mad about it. But not to call Trey Olajuwon, but okay. Yeah. Well, that, that is Jordan, the end that of our. <laughs> yeah, right, I, I like that one a lot. The goat. Um, that is the end of SGA Factor Fraudulent. We have a few more in the list, and then we're gonna we're gonna fly through, and then kind of just. You know, get you out of here. But I, I wanted to hit on this one. As someone who watches Luka Doncic every day, I think this is an interesting question for you. Um, is and he's been so ridiculous to start the season. Dear God, is Giannis, who I think almost everybody agrees is the best player in the world right now. Almost, you know, it's yeah. almost, you know, almost everybody. Almost everybody would say that. Uh, would you say that Giannis is actually on his own tier as the best player of the world right now? No. Factor fraudulent. No. Raj. Hmm. Listen, let me say this. All right. My name, but they don't call me slightly biased for nothing. I watch 82 games. I'm not just going to watch all those games to sit here and roll over and be like, no, no, no. Luke's not the best player in the world. Like he, like to me, he is, I don't care. Like he's the best offensive engine in the NBA by far, in my opinion. Like you just, you give him the ball and just whatever, Luca, go do whatever you want. I guess that can lead to bad things from time to time. But I mean, in my in my my brain says Giannis is yeah Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Like he's just a freak defensively. He's insane. Office, he's second in the league in scoring behind Luca. So it's like he's an unstoppable. He shoots fadeaway jumpers now and makes them with regularity. <laughs> Scary. Like he's a, he's absolutely a marvel to watch. But in my heart, it's Luka Doncic, and uh, I'm just gonna ride with that. <laughs> hey, I, got no I, can't, real reason. I can't argue with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. The the argument to put him on his own tier here. I'm gonna say fact. I'm going to yeah, say okay. fact that he's on his own tier, which is strong. I admit that that's strong. I don't even know if I fully agree with myself because Steph exists, because Luka exists, Jokic exists. I think they're all great. Absolutely like elite, elite of the elite. The, the thing with Giannis is, I was, I was thinking through this in my mind, where if everyone or almost everyone in their brain, if they are thinking soberly, uh-huh. And are, are not slightly biased at all. If almost every single person who knows basketball says Giannis is the best player in the world and there's no yeah. argument for anybody else, then like, I think that just sort of means he's on his own tier. Like, I, I think, yeah, you know, where it's just, I, he owns it. He's the best two way player. Undoubtedly. It's not even a question. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, how many guys in NBA history can you say are top five defensive player in the league and borderline, probably top three, top five offensive player in the league. I mean, it's just, it's stupid. It's 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 to the level where you watch them. They have no Middleton. They're undefeated. Brooke yeah. Lopez looks great, but Giannis yeah, looks, is just what? yeah. What I don't know what was what it he's basketball was a basketball reference I had him tenth in their MVP thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him and him and Al Horford were drinking from the same uh, fountain. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but Giannis is just he's a he affects every single play of the game more than anybody else I've watched since like prime LeBron, I would say is like peak LeBron where every possession offense and defense, cause Steph affects the ball offensively ridiculously, yeah, maybe more than anybody ever. Um, give or take. But the, the fact that he's doing it, just every possession he's on the floor, they are winning undoubtedly. Like he is, mm-hmm. he's just so dominant. The physical wear down that he gives on other, other teams, 
Like he is just a menace and I think he's earned it now at this point. I think he's going to win MVP again. He's going to have his third. They're going to be the favorites heading into the finals or heading into the playoffs. I think he's earned, earned that right to just kind of have it to himself, have that crown all alone unquestioned uh, for yeah. a little bit, but it's tricky. It's close, but I'll call, I'll call it fact. <laughs> I mean, like we're really looking at, if you just take nostalgia and, Oh, I watched this guy's whole career. So he's, He's this and this and this. We're looking at like a what what might end up being a top ten career when it's all said and done. Hundred percent. Because yeah. it's like his not only that, but his finals run was legendary too. It wasn't like it's he a great run. Yeah. It wasn't like he just won a finals and a great team. Like he had insane performances. Maybe was it the best closeout game of all time points wise? Not 50 sure, points? but it's up there. I mean, it's I mean it's probably the best. Yeah. It it's just it's it still feels a little underappreciated, like how absolutely dominant he is. And there's still so many questions around him I think are so unfair about, oh, well, you know, he still can't do this, this, and this. It's like, man, just watch the guy play basketball, please. <laughs> yeah, run and dunk. Run and dunk, Giannis. Yeah, you know what? He can run and dunk. He does it better than anybody in the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is, he's modern Shaq. I think that's really – he's just like if Shaq could initiate from – from the perimeter yeah. as opposed to just initiating from the post. It's that's kind of how I feel about jaw too. Cause people are always like, well, he just relies on his athleticism. Yeah. Like, and he's yeah. one of the most freak athletes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I, uh, 10 years from now will be a problem. Maybe, but right now he's incredible. Yeah. That all the best players of all time relied on their athleticism. That's what, that's what makes yeah. them the, the best players of all time. Um, yeah. I like that one. Next up. This is a fun one. Because I've been seeing some chatter, a lot of chatter. I put out a poll on Twitter. Um, which of these teams is is the realest contender? I put out the Suns. I put out the Cavs. The results of this one shocked me. The Pelicans. I put out the Nets. And far and away, the Cavs and Pels uh, were were the winners of, of that poll. So I ask you, slightly biased, because I saw your comment. Mm-hmm. Fact or fraudulent, are the Pels and Cavs overrated? In the context of that poll, yes. Because this, like, so it was the Pelican Suns, uh, Pelican Suns, Nets and Cavs, Nets and Cavs. To me, the Suns are the best team in that grouping pretty comfortably. Mm. And it's also, I feel like it, finals contender, the Suns have been there, like, they've had deep playoff runs. Uh, the Cavs and Pels are, are really good teams. Don't get me wrong. I think the Cavs are the better of those two. But also, I just, overrated though, I don't know if I would say overrated. God, I don't know. It just depends on what your your. Do I think either of those teams are finals teams? I don't personally. Uh, yeah. Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell in a postseason series, offensively great. That's a very small backcourt. Backcourt, it is. I know that they have like the backline defenders. I know like Dean Wade's been great. So <laughs> yeah, it's like D Wade, D Wade. Yeah, D, the real D Wade. If you ask me personally, as a Mavs fan, right? The only Dean Wade. <laughs> right. The only D Wade I respect and acknowledge. But uh, they're a great team. The Pelicans are a great team too. Uh, they're still. I still don't trust their health long-term. Like if yeah. we get to a playoff series, is Ion out there? Is BI out there? I have, I have to question that. Sure. Nets, the, Nets. Yeah. The Nets are at the bottom of that, of that grouping pretty comfortably, <laughs> yeah. I think. But yeah, overrated. I don't know. Yeah. I I'll mean, say fraudulent. As, yeah. Fraudulent, fraudulent that they're overrated. Okay. Fraudulent was, that they're overrated in the grand scheme of things. Fact that they were overrated in that poll. Cause I think the Suns are just better than them too. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've been seeing, I've been seeing, oh, they're not stealth contenders anymore. Like they are, they're just straight up contenders, especially with the Cavs. I've been seeing a lot of that. And there's, uh, 
Cavs, I'm, I think. Like, Cavs, maybe. I don't see. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I just, I'm not there with the Pelicans just yet. I'm just not. Yeah, I think it's a little early for the Cavs. I think their their winglessness is yeah. concerning. I, I know they've patched it together some with, with True D. Wade and, you know, Levert, who I think is, is kind of tricking all of us all the time. As soon as we're all out, not he me. just, he brings us back in with the 41. I'm and permanently then, out on yeah, Kerslevert. Uh, so yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, Planted my flag. I'm usually pretty positive and optimistic on players, but he is just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, I don't – I mean, Kevin Love, you have those contracts that you can kind of move around and see if they can land something. I'm not sure if Crowder's really moving the needle or not. He would be better than what they have. There's a certain physicality that I don't think they have that will translate to the playoffs well. With, it's just hard to win with that small yeah. backcourt. Yeah, it's small. And their bigs are, are amazing defensively, but they aren't yeah. – there's a certain type of big that I think really succeeds in a playoff setting where it's either you are just a generational like switching talent. Like I think Mobley will survive very well in a playoff series uh-huh. or you're just like a hyper physical kind of like psychopath. Like you're, you almost have this like PJ Tucker kind yeah. of situation where you can just go out there and be, be a maniac and, and really make things difficult. And I love Jared Allen, but those two together in a playoff series, I'm not sure how, even though they're great, how tenable it is schematically once teams are going to start just blowing by these guards that they have out there. And then you have two guys who are most optimized, you would say in like a drop kind of scenario, but now Jared Allen has to start switching around and it, it it's not perfect. And I don't think they're contenders, which means I think they're, they are it is fact that they are overrated <laughs> i couldn't remember another thing question. too we always forget this going into the season because every offseason that the, the you know the uh the the fan favorites pop up we love this team and this team like this team's gonna be great very rarely does a team just go from not being perennial contenders to boom we're in the finals like the suns were really one of the few and even then you could say well like they added chris paul who, who has experience, like, usually you have to go to war a few times right. and, you know, have these hard-fought playoff series. I know the Pelicans, you know, had a, they had a hard-fought series last year against the uh, against the Suns, but also, you know, Zion wasn't playing in it. I think that matters a little bit. Zion hasn't been in a playoff series. And it's just like, you know, that's why the Mavericks last year made the Western Conference Finals. They were coming off of two, like, brutally hard-fought series against really good Clippers teams. Sometimes you need that experience. The I know Donovan Mitchell has, but the rest of the Cavs, uh, you know, Garland has never been in a playoff series. Right. They were in the play-in last year, obviously. Uh, Jared Allen was on the Nets team, right? They made the playoffs? Yes. Yes, he Even was. Then, yeah, he you was know, on the one round. But yeah, Mobley's whatever. never been. Like, it's like sometimes these teams need to go, and they need to lose in the playoffs before it's time for them to really spread their wings and fly. So as far as being title contenders, yes, they are overrated in that regard. Uh, I'll, I'll change it up. Yes. Yeah. And those, those – <laughs> I say that with a with – a, heavy heart because the Cavs and the Pels are maybe individually my two favorite like up and coming teams in No, they're fun they're great. They're fun to watch. You know? yeah, like I'm not saying they're they suck. amazing. Yeah, they're amazing. Uh there is just I think perhaps a little premature chatter as far as actually winning a, t- a title this year. I think I yeah. think that's I think I could call that a, a fact that they're overrated if that's how you view them. All right, I mean, last one. Oh, what's up? last year like they they made the finals. That was their first time making the finals of that group. And they'd been to what, like five or four or five conference finals before that or something like that? Like they sometimes you just gotta go to war a couple of times before it's like, all right, we're ready to win a championship. Yeah, like Very Luca, rarely. you know? Luca's ready yeah. to go right now. He's he, I mean <laughs> He's had his battles. He he meets the criteria. <laughs> uh oh. Um, okay, I have one last one. And this is one I mainly included just because I have a rant that I want to do and I'm just using you as fodder. So hopefully you know you can join in on my rant, but <clears throat> 
Fact or fraudulent that tanking is not an issue in the NBA? Fact. Fact. I agree. There's the talent gap. I've said this before. The talent gap is not big enough. And tanking, especially early in the season, it's not really a thing the way people think it is. Like February and March, go back and look at like the Trailblazers uh, rotations in February, March. Like that's when teams really pull the plug, right? But early in the season, tanking's not really uh, that big of an issue because there's just so many talented players. And all you need is one talented, you know, perimeter guy who can just go crazy one night and you win a game right. or good shooters. You go crazy one night and win a game. Like I, I predicted the Jazz would be, I think one of my hot predictions in the offseason was the Jazz would be closer to the play in than the bottom seed. Cause they they just have too many guys who have been in winning situations like that, that like that team was never going to be a team that was going to be historically bad. The Spurs I thought would be historically bad. They very much uh, exceeded my expectations. <laughs> yeah, but I'm excited to hear your rant. I think it's fact. It's not. It's not as bad as people make yeah. it out to be. Uh, this is something that is driving me crazy. I, just the discourse. How much airtime? Which I'm contributing to this. That. <laughs> Like try, trying to solve tanking gets how much airtime tanking in general gets, how much thought the league is is putting into getting rid of tanking, the outrage that it causes. Like, I am just asked, who actually cares? Yeah. Like, who cares? I I I understand. Like, uh, there's some part of us that's like, oh, it's not right. You should never have any incentive for losing. That's never ever achievable. That is not no. achievable unless you're going to turn into sport. soccer. Unless you're going to yeah. turn into soccer where you just let the same 10 teams dominate every single season because there is no draft and they could just pay the most money to the best players and be good every single year. Unless you want that, which I'm assuming we don't want because there's already imbalance, right? There's already a lack of fairness because some of these owners have way more money and some of these locations are, you know, not in Minnesota. And right. <laughs> it's just, it's so outrageous. There's so many games. There's, there's so much good talent on your day to day as a fan, as someone who it eats, sleeps and breathes and creates content for, for the NBA, who wants this to be my job. You might want it to be your job. Like it does not affect my day to day at all that there's nope. a handful of teams that are tanking. There's 5,000 games. Fun to watch. That's yeah. That's the other thing. There's nothing worse than a team that is just okay. That has like no future. Like the wizards. I yeah. love the wizards. I love Wizard I fans. No, I, lo I well, love that's Wizards true. fans. I that's don't true. Love you're right. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. The Wizards I hate. The front office I hate. The ownership I hate. I love the fans because they are self-loathing and they're honest and they're funny. Yeah. And But that team is so boring. Uh -huh. I, I would not be caught dead putting on that team unless they're playing against somebody incredibly interesting. And that is – if we do this thing where, oh, every lottery team has the same percentage or, oh, we're going to relegate the bad teams, which is – just, I'm not even going to get go down that, is, that like, rabbit. That's that just the dumb. stupidest thing I've Regulate ever Regulate them to where? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we're going to pull up G League teams and have them lose yeah, by 80 that would every be night? A because, no, yeah, wasting my time, that conversation. But the, the like, evening out the lottery odds completely flatter. What this is going to do, eliminating tanking, the, the byproduct of eliminating tanking is you have a whole bunch of teams that are the Bulls and the Wizards and the Hornets and mm -hmm. the teams that no one wants to watch because at least if a team is tanking, you sell hope. 
At least yeah. if a team is tanking, you have young guys. You can kind of watch the game in a different way. You could watch with a, an evaluative eye instead of just riding on every single win and loss. And that, from yeah. my experience, from from a team, a, a fan of the Orlando Magic who watched the, you know, Vooch and, and Fournier dribble handoff their way to 40 wins every year, nothing uh -huh. was worse than that because you have no hope. Oh, okay, so the only thing that matters is if we win or not because that's what we're trying to do. And we're not good enough to win, so who cares? <laughs> like it is, yeah. It's a horrible place to be. Everybody said it, but I don't understand all this energy, the collective bargaining, the, the frustrations over tanking, taking tank. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect anyone's lives. Okay, yeah, the Trailblazers are, are running out Watford every night for, for a couple months to end the season. Like, just don't watch the Blazers. Yeah, it sucks a little bit for those fans, but at least they get Shade and Sharp out of it. Like, that's pretty yeah. cool. I'm sure they would rather have Shade and Sharp than, you know – lasting a few picks lower and being the wizards and getting Johnny Davis who can't even get on the court. It's yeah, just, God. Yeah, that's a different guy. Wizards yeah. catch, catching a lot of strays right now, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sick and tired of, of the conversation. Like let teams tank. Okay. Yeah. 25 teams compete every year. There's so much parody that like, just let it happen. It does not bother me. And it is so factual that it's not an issue. I just had to, I had to get that out there because my, my chest has been compressing with the amount of conversation I've heard on like national podcast about yeah, no, I oh, mean, fixing the, the issue. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is fans like if fans of teams don't even mind tanking. That's what I'm like, saying. Most reasonable, rational fans are like, okay, I understand. Like, yeah. it's time to blow it up. Like if you ask most Utah Jazz fans, like, yeah, it was time to blow it up. Let's yes. be bad. Obviously, they've been good to start the season. But like, it, it's like. I don't, I've never had an issue with tanking. I don't really care. It's fun. like the magic were the same thing you're talking for years. They were just mediocre, mediocre, mediocre. And they say, all right, we're done doing this. And then immediately you have Franz Wagner, you have Wendell yeah. Carter Jr. 10,000 times more fun. Yes. Yeah. In the span of like two and a half years, they're all of a sudden like one of the most exciting, young, fun teams. The Pistons were the same way. All right. We got Drummond. We've got uh, Josh Smith. We've got Reggie Jackson. Like we're going to oh be bad, but not that bad. Like Blake Griffin is doing things here. We're going to just get an eight seed. And then they said, all right, enough of this. Boom. They're one of the most exciting, young, fun teams of the league. Yeah. Oh, how, yeah. How do we figure out the issue of getting more teams to be like the 40-win, you know, Pistons yeah. and Magic? That is, the, that is the last thing you want. I do not The conversation mind. only really comes up in old media. By the way, I hate old media. Get Ugh, them out. Disgusting. Right? They're terrible. But the only reason why it ever comes <laughs> up is if there's like a really fun, young prospect or a really good yeah, you know, an player SGA on a bad team. A, and yeah. they're like, oh, man, get him out of Oklahoma. Oh he needs to God. be in New York or Cares. Toronto. And, and it, you know, it's just like that's the only time it ever comes up. Like, oh, should Zion really go to New Orleans? Like, <laughs> right. ugh, gross. Yeah. Oh, let's get rid of the draft. It's so. Listen, it's so I've, I've, I've read that theory. And I'm like, okay, I could see you a way. Get behind could it be a tiny bit. I'm out on it. It could be interesting, but it could, you, ha, you would have to change the rules so it's not like European soccer. Yeah, right. But it, there, it would be kind of interesting. There's a lot of – but it's just it – would, it would – in an attempt to have less or more balance or less imbalance, there would just be more imbalance is, is really where, yeah. where my argument stands on that. Um, yeah. I mean, the draft, just, yeah, the draft is the most fair way to ensure these, these small market teams have a chance to, to least, get guys yes. they would otherwise never have a chance to get. Yeah. And it's if it's the lottery's there, I mean, you would be dumb you would be a dumbass team to not take advantage <laughs> right. of it if you needed to. 100%. It really I think the, the conversation around tanking just turns into like a a real pearl clutching competition. Just yeah, it like, is. like who can oh, Everyone should try to win. It's can, like that's yeah, just not that's not reality. The hardest now. It's a it's and Especially a in the NBA where it's like you you have to have the superstar. Yes. Like otherwise you don't win at a high level. 
in the best way to get it is through the draft. In football, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I don't really yeah, follow get a NFL that much. But NFL, I guess, kind of makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they cry about tanking over there the way they do in the NBA. But, man. Yeah, yeah, like you said, just don't watch. Like, who cares? Yes, there's so many good things going on. We really just don't. So this will be this will be the first and last time I talk about tanking on this podcast. Also, I said this was the last one, but I lied because I forgot there was a late edition. I'm gonna sneak Uh this one in, Uh, and this was this was per uh, to give you a little behind the scenes per slightly biased request because he wanted to wanted to have a little little. A little, little chit-chat about uh, a certain team's young core. So the question I pose to you is, fact or fraudulent, the Golden State Warriors have a very promising young core. Fraudulent. <laughs> the baby ding, Warriors, ding, ding, ding. I, I, I had this take last year, and I was just called, uh, you know, salty because they beat the Mavs. God, I don't like their young talent that much. As much Break as it down else. for me. Uh, Kuminga is, I don't know, man. He just seems so lost so frequently that it's like, if you're a young player in that Warriors team and you look lost, that really scares me. Wiseman looks bad. Like, offensively, like, I see Warriors friends like, dude, he caught a couple lobs. Great. Like, if I was seven feet tall and someone athletic, I could go out and catch a couple of lobs. Yeah, JaVale McGee. Yeah, like, it's Dwight Powell catches lobs better than anybody <laughs> in the league. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, my God, Dwight Powell is just like, like, Wiseman has just been so lost defensively. Their, their on-off numbers with Wiseman are – absolutely unbelievable like it's insane how bad it is and if you want to chalk that up to well the rest of their bench is bad which is kind of true sure but if you're anchored defensively your big man anchor defensively is that horrendous it's going to lead to a lot of problems moody is the best one out of the out of those three in my opinion he doesn't like maybe have the upside because he's not as not as athletic but moody seems like semi-ready like if you could feels like i even felt that way last right. year at times right when i saw moody play like he got run in that in the western conference finals it's like, oh, Moody doesn't look like a rookie, really. He looks like a, you know, a guy who's been around the block quite a few times. But it's like Wiseman, Kuminga, no. Pool, I like Pool a lot. But if Steph retires, do I think you can just hand the torch over to Pool? <laughs> no, I no. don't. Yeah, no. So it's like this whole idea that once Steph is gone, they're going to be just, they're going to be A-OK. They have all this young core. I don't agree. Like, I, I just don't. I don't see it. Kuminga, I've never seen it. And I've gotten yelled at on Twitter for saying it. But I, I don't. Like, Kaminga would frustrate the hell out of me if he was on my team. Yeah. It would be like so. the Josh Green of... <laughs> but the thing is, Josh Green is smart. Though. Like, Josh Green makes smart plays. You can never knock Josh Green for not trying or not knowing what he's doing. Sometimes he just doesn't have, just you know, bad. he just doesn't have the skill set. And that's all right. Yeah. But you at least like, you know what, Josh? Keep shooting that. <laughs> yeah. But Kaminga, it's like, why the hell are you shooting that? Or yeah. what were you seeing on that pass? Yeah, he's he's... A little bit bull in a china shop out there. So is Wiseman. I have, there's this idea, and this is even like guys like Zach Lowe, who, you know, kind of preaches the gospel uh, and whatever he says becomes truth. But he was talking about this Warriors team like they were just totally reloaded. Um, oh, yeah, the young guys just kind of step in. And like, I really I never it. don't see that i i think like Otto porter was really good like he was getting a lot of minutes like and they just had guys who was good gary payton was really good like they had these guys who yeah legit vets and they at least knew what they were doing like they could come in and be really competent and uh, i don't know i also think the other thing is just steph is you mentioned with like pool i think steph is so much I obviously gets a ton of praise. People think he's top 15 all time. He certainly is. I think he's better 
than people even really kind of talk about him. Like I think Steph yeah. is just so incredible, and I think you know Clay is great and Dre is great, and I think the ecosystem that Steph provides for them and for every single other player that's on that team is so much more valuable than even, you know, you'll hear the gravity, the gravity. I just, everything he does is a force multiplier for everything everyone else does. And to see that's guys struggle me. along him, that's what I'm saying. To see guys yeah. struggle alongside of him is concerning. And I think it'll, it'll rear its head in the playoffs a little bit. It, Steph might be good enough to just kind of say F it and, and go anyway, but I don't think this team is as good as last year's team. Certainly, no, they're not. Like they're like like you said. They're. I mean, Otto Porter was starting in the finals. Yes, he was. Like, he was playing like thirty minutes a night. Yeah. So like they lost some depth, and I'm not. I'm not like. By the way, I'm not out. Like I'm not saying the Warriors are, are screwed. I don't think no, that they're I really think, really good. Still, they'll be great. fine. And Wiggins is really good too. Actually. Yeah. Like I'm not worried about them really. I am. I am worried about Clay. I think he's like done. Clay might be. Bad. I really do. He might and be it's bad. like he's kind of at this stage too where. He's old. He's not as good as he used to be, but he still thinks he is. So it's like this really awkward, like, Clay's taking shots where you're like, dude, please stop shooting those. <laughs> right. And, and even in his prime, is... he would take terrible shots. But it would be okay because then he would just yeah. drop, like, nine points in the span of 45 seconds. But he's not doing that anymore. And right. now it's like, oh, God. Yeah, Clay is tough. The Dre thing is weird. At least Wiggins Maybe That's been good. fine, though. The Dre and Poole yeah, thing has been whatever. fine. Yeah, I think it's fine. Um, he's weird. I mean, Dray, Draymond's definitely weird. weird. I think his podcast general. is brutal. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's why, like, this new NBA media U stuff. Most better. of those podcasts suck. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> I said NBAU podcast better. Are we getting that? Yes. <laughs> Let's go. I'm better at one new, thing. New, new media. Than Draymond. <laughs> yeah, we're new, new. We're new, new. Cool. Well, that is it. A little bit, a little bit of Golden State Warriors slander from a Mavs fan, of course. Just a salty had Mavs to, fan had to, throw it in. to end the end the podcast. But man, slightly. Luke is better than Steph. Luke, what else can I say? <laughs> that, yep, uh, we'll cut that part out, <laughs> producer Steven. Um, man, thank you for hopping on. Like this is yeah, super fun. I really want to have you on again, like multiple times throughout the season. I think it was a blast to talk to you, and I'll be able to check in on you on on your on your takes. We'll kind of follow up and see what everything is looking like down the road. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you want to uh, specifically plug before I uh, get you on out of here? Uh, Twitter at bias slightly, YouTube.com slash slightly bias. I go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, like six p.m. Central Standard Time. We just watch the games, chat, hang out. If you guys find me there. I'm pretty interactive with chat, so we can have a back and forth yep. about stuff going on around the league. A lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, man. I love your Twitter page. It's one of the best ones out. I love your brackets. Those are so much fun. So I've had a blast with those. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no doubt, man. I, I appreciate the uh, the support. The brackets are, are fun. I'm, I'm going to be uh, bringing those back uh, ASAP, so keep an eye out for that. But, yeah, follow follow Slightly Bias on Twitter. He's a great follow. He's hilarious. His live streams are fantastic. Uh, they're good every single time I've – I've checked in on them. He is interactive with chat. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're an NBA fan, like what are you doing if you're not following this guy? So exactly. check his stuff out. Exactly, exactly. So thank you to thank you to slightly thank you to producer Steven. Uh, Thanks, this was Steven. His, his flu game. He he currently has the flu and he's just sitting in bed producing this pod. Uh, Forty five like, points. Like MJ. Like what? A, yeah, what an animal. Shout out to producer Steven. and thank you to the listeners as always. You guys uh, are fantastic. NBA U yeah. has been popping on Twitter. Most of you guys, at least, no, don't don't let him sway you. Uh, NBA U has been popping. Uh, we got to 25k right before the start of the season. Uh, a week later, we were at 26. 
five Ooh. days later, we were at 27. And six days later after that, we are now at 28 as of today. Uh, 100K so, on the way. Yeah, 100K by the end of the season. That's the goal. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, keep listening to this pod. Uh, if, you, if you liked it, if you loved it, if you were indifferent towards it, if you hated it, give it a five-star review anyway. Just help your boy out. Uh, spread the word, tell your friends, put it on Twitter. We need your help. Um, and I am just looking forward to bringing you daily NBA content from NBA University and a weekly NBA podcast from the NBA University podcast. Y'all are the best. NBA U out.